Thank you, Pastor, for that introduction. I was kind of looking around to see who you were talking about. I told the pastor last summer after I spoke that he kind of has it easy compared to when he has us come up because he can do a series through a book, he can preach on a topic, he can go through a whole chapter over a period of time. And he takes us and he says, here's 66 books, hundreds of chapters, thousands of verses, 45 minutes or less, make it good. It's hard to come up with something sometimes. Like, what do you speak on when you have one shot? And also, I have a very, very dear friend, I say that with all the sarcasm I can muster, named Gary Hinsman, who for the last month has told me, Matt set the bar really high, John. Zach did really, really good, John. John, Larry didn't drop the bar. You have no chance. So with all of that, here I am. And as he mentioned, Kara's out of town, so I forget things when she's not here. Last night, it was about... 10 o'clock, I was coming home with David from a challenge cop, and I realized I don't have a ride to church tomorrow because she has the car. So thankfully I made it and we're here, and I'm um, thankful for the opportunity to pastor to the leadership team, for the opportunity to speak, and I don't take it lightly at all. It's a very serious, awesome responsibility, and I am thankful for it. I'd like to speak this morning on the subject of guidance decision-making process. And before we do, I would like to go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer really quickly before we again begin. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we have sung songs about your grace to us today, your mercy, our, our salvation, the gospel. Lord, we come to you with all of those things on our minds. We come to you knowing that you have given us your word, which teaches us all these things. And as we look to your word today regarding the issue of guidance, I pray that as I speak that I would not hinder people's understanding on this subject, that I would not complicate things, that I would not um, come between you and your word and your people, but that I would be able to be used as a vessel for you to be an encouragement and hopefully a conviction as well. I ask that you would bless this time together for your honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The issue of guidance obviously is something that affects us each and every day of our life in our business, in our jobs, in our careers, with family, decision-making. Somebody has once said that life is a succession of decisions. Think about how many decisions, small, maybe big, some big, think about how many decisions you made just this morning. Am I going to hit the snooze button for a third time or am I going to get up? Am I going to iron my shirt or not? Am I going to wear shorts to preach in or wear a suit? I had a ton of people ask me if I was going to wear shorts, because I have been, but I didn't. Okay, But think of how many decisions you make just getting to church this morning. Think about the decisions you make on a weekly basis regarding career opportunities, regarding who you're going to marry, not on a weekly basis who you're going to marry, but (laughs) decisions you make regarding who am I going to marry, who am I going to date, where am I going to go to college? What does God want me to do with my life? How am I supposed to serve Him effectively day to day in the job that I work at with the family that I come into contact with? Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I buy this? Should I not buy that? What car should I buy? All of the decisions that we make on a weekly, a day to day, a monthly, life changing decisions that we make. The question is, how do I make the right decision or how do I make the best decision? And for us as believers, the ultimate question then is, how do I know God's will? Because the two are very synonymous, virtually identical, God's will and decision-making. Because that's the ultimate thing we have to determine in the decision-making process. 
Is the decision that I'm making according to God's will for my life? Is it according to the will of God that He has given to me to which I am supposed to live out? Because we, are, because we are believers, we believe that there is a God who created us that has given us a purpose in life. So the question then is, what is God's will? Can I know God's will? What is God's will? If you look at your program, the first point I want to look at talks about how there's a lot of confusion regarding the matter of decision-making or the matter of guidance in our lives. What is God's will is the first thing we will look at. I'll give it to you very simply. Be like God. Say, wow, that's, that's pretty simple. But it's also awesome when you think about it. Be like God? Wow, really? I'm supposed to be like God, the Creator who made me, the perfect, the holy, the sinless, the loving, the gracious, the merciful Son of God? God, I'm supposed to be like God. Absolutely. That is what we are supposed to be in life. Matt did an excellent job when he was speaking about how we have worth. We have a life that is worth something because we are created in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God says, I'm going to make man in our image. So he created male and female in his image and likeness. Because of that, we have the responsibility to reflect back to God his glory, his honor, his majesty. That is our purpose in life. That is God's will for my life. You say, okay, that, that makes sense, that's simple, but that doesn't address all the other kinds of questions you were talking about earlier. How does knowing that God's will for my life is to be like Him, to reflect His glory back to Him, how does that help me determine what car to buy? How does that help me determine what to major in? How does that help me determine what seminary to go to? All of these kinds of questions, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But genuinely concerned Christians want to know the fact about this subject because they truly desire to please God by knowing and doing His will. So how do we do this? As I said, the issue is one primarily of knowing God's will for our life. And the first, the first verse I want us to look at is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. That proves my point. It says, But just as He who called you is holy, so be ye holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. The verse Ron read earlier this morning. He said, He has called you to be holy and blameless. Well, that's pretty much like God, isn't it not? To be holy and blameless. So that, that is the issue. You say, well, that's, that's very general. That's kind of a very general will of God, and it, it kind of makes sense, but it's very general. Well, here's another verse for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's getting more specific, is it not? From being like God, being holy to everything we do, even to the nitty-gritty things of life, the mundane decisions that we make on a daily basis, we are to bring honor and glory for God. That is God's will for my life, to bring glory to Him, to reflect back to Him His glory, His honor, who He is, the Creator who made me. So God's will, I can tell you, with complete assurance is to be like Him, to in everything you do, to reflect back to Him His glory. This is called a big theological word, sanctification. Growing daily, weekly, monthly, more and more into the image of Christ, becoming more and more like His Son, more and more like God, reflecting more and more back to Him, His glory and image. See, that's, that's scary. That, that's, a, that's a really hard thing. That's an awesome, awesome responsibility. But I have some encouraging words for you on that one. John chapter seventeen, seventeen. Christ Himself prayed for us that we would be able to do this. He said, sanctify them. That's what we're talking about here. Sanctification, growing to become like God. Sanctify them by the truth. 
My prayer is not for them alone because in this prayer, John 17, he's praying for his disciples because he's about to leave them. And this verse, John 17, kind of begins transitioning from praying for them. And he says, I pray for them also. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So this prayer that we will be sanctified, that we will grow to become more like God, that Christ himself prayed, is not for the disciples alone that he left behind, but for us also who have believed since then by reading the scripture, by coming to know to a saving knowledge of him. So Christ himself prays for us that we might be able to do this, that we might be able to understand God's will to follow it. That is to become more and more like him. So what some of you might be thinking is, okay, I get that. But that doesn't exactly spell out for me how to, that doesn't exactly spell out for me how I do to determine what car to buy, where to go to college, what job to take. Should I move? Should I get a different house? Should I take this job? Should I take that job? It doesn't quite get to that. That's the general will of God I understand, but how does that relate to the day-to-day decisions? And that brings us to the second point there. Can I find God's will? I have known people personally who use the idea of I'm looking for God's will for my life as kind of a reason to basically not do anything because they're searching for this mysterious thing that they call God's will and they really never do anything with their life because I'm looking for God's will. Well, do, do they have a point when they say that? Is God's will for my life, for your life, so mysterious, so difficult to find that we have to go through our whole lives wondering, searching, can I find it? Is today the day, could, could today be the day that I find God's will for my life? To get confidence that, yes, now I know God's will, now I can move forward, now I can begin to live the life that God wants me to live. Do they have a point with that? I think our first answer is easy to say, well, no, we can know that we, we can know God's will. And we can indeed. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, Paul prays for the Christians at Colossae. He says, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. So he's praying for this church that they will be filled with the knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life, that's a life is a day-to-day thing, a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Well, that takes this general will of God to live for Him and kind of brings it down to the day-to-day. Because it's a life that every good work that we do is growing in the knowledge of the will of God and bringing fruit to Him. Well, what does that mean, bringing fruit to Him? Well, I believe it means bringing to him what is due to him, glory, honor, praise, that the things that I do, I don't do for myself. The decisions I make are not made to advance my purposes in life. The decisions I make are not to advance my personal career, my personal um, glory, my personal fame, my personal prestige, but to bring honor and glory back to the creator who made me, who gave me his image, his likeness to serve him and the responsibility to serve him. This is, one, this is one verse. These two verses is one section. But there are dozens of verses like this that I could put up on the screen that where people are either praying that we would know God's will or commanding people to walk in God's will that I believe very clearly demonstrate that we can indeed know God's will. That is not a mystery that we have to go through our entire lives searching for, wondering, can I really do this? Can I really find God's will? But we can indeed, I believe scripture very clearly teaches us that we can do this. Think about it for just a minute. Does it make any sense for God to create mankind in his glory, in his image, to bring glory back to him, command them to do so, command them be holy as I am holy, 
command them to be filled with the knowledge of his will and give them no instruction on how to do it, but hold them accountable to do that. Well, we know that God is love, Scripture tells us. That would not be a God of love. To give somebody a command, to give somebody that kind of a mission, if you will, and give them no way of understanding how to do it and hold them accountable for it, God would not do that. And if we, if we think that God's will is something that we'll never be able to find, we're kind of showing that we have a low view of our God, that God did not think enough or plan enough or have foresight enough to tell us how to do that. Which indeed is not the case, because as this verse and many, many other verses I could use demonstrate for us, we can indeed know God. We can indeed know God's will for our lives. This, this must be true of us if we are expected to please Him in every good work. We have to be able to know God's will. Otherwise, that command would make no sense to us. So the next point there says, how can I find God's will? Okay, you say, you say God's will is for me to be like Him. You say God's will is for me to honor, to glorify Him, to reflect back to Him His image. And you say, I can, you say I can know it. Well, how then can I find it? And this is where the confusion begins. Um, my dad was a church floater. Um, from when I was a kid till I went to college, we were probably members of six different churches. No exaggeration. Probably more, I'll say six, just to be conservative. And I heard all kinds of things on how to find God's will. I, uh, one, my freshman summer of college, I traveled for a group called Neighborhood Bible Time, and I was in probably another 13 or 14 different churches. And you hear all kinds of stuff on finding God's will. Very, very different stuff from Baptist churches. Diametrically opposed opinions on how you find God's will in your life. Um, I have friends, many of whom say they have found God's will this way. Some say that way. Some are, you know, and it's very, very confusing. I would dare say that if you just quietly ask different people here, you might even in here get different opinions on how do I find God's will? How do I really know that I have found God's will in my life? And hopefully today I can help a little bit clear up some of the confusion regarding this. The question is, does God direct his people? And we believe that he does. We know that he does. This verse, others demonstrate that. So if God, or since God directs his people, how then does he do it? We've already seen that he does, so how then does he do it? Certainly when you go through scripture, you see God talking to people. You see visions given to people. You see people having dreams. You see angels appearing to people, telling them where to go, telling them what to do, telling them what to say. You see all kinds of things like that in scripture. So, at least in Scripture times, we know that God directed His people through revelation. He revealed to them, in these many different ways, His will for them. What they should say, what they should prophesy, what they should write down, where they should go, who they should fight, all of these kinds of things. He gave them very clear revelation on what to do. Well, how does He do it today? Does He still do it the same way? He does it in the same way by revelation. Not the same kind of revelation, but He still directs His people through Revelation. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9 says, We know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. What is Paul talking about here? He's talking about partial revelation versus the complete revelation that we have in God's Word. I, I've often heard it preached, not here, but I've often heard it preached that it was a lot easier, or I wish I lived back then, or it would have been a lot easier to know God's will and follow God if I lived back in Bible times, or if I was walking with Christ on earth. And in some senses, I see where they're coming from, and it makes sense. 
But we have something that they did not have. We have something that the first century church, that the Old Testament saints, that Acts, the people in Acts, that the churches that Paul wrote to, the letters that he wrote them, we have something that they did not have. We have Genesis 1 through the end of Revelation. We have the entire written, revealed Word of God about everything we could possibly need to know. So in that sense, it's easier for us. Because we actually can know more than they did because we have the entire canon or the entire body of Scripture to search to determine God's will for our lives. So God guides His people by means of revelation. For a time, He he guided them by means of direct, partial, incomplete revelation. Now we believe He guides us by completed, perfected, that's what He means by perfection, completed revelation of God. So we have that to guide us. How do I know that that's what he's referring to by God's word and that's what's supposed to guide us? We looked at John 17:17 17, 17 earlier and saw that he said sanctify them and I pray that he Christ prayed that he would sanctify us. But I left out a couple of words in there. He says John 17:17 17, 17, he says sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So our means of sanctification, our means of growth, our means of progress in the Christian life, our means of moving forward to becoming more like God, to becoming more conformed to His image, is God's Word. That is the truth that Christ prayed would be used to guide us, to sanctify us, to to conform us into His image. The way in which we are to become more and more like God, to reflect His glory back to Him, is the perfect, completed revelation that He has given us in His Word. And I say that it alone is the only sure and certain way that we can know God's will is in His Word. Because He has promised us that's where it is. So we have complete confidence to know that that's where we can find it. Psalm 138, verse 2, another verse referring to God's Word says, You have exalted above all things your name and your Word. Think about that for just a minute. We, we know how precious God's name is. We know how precious the name of Christ is. Think of Philippians chapter 2, where it is said that, he is mag- that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God's name is exceedingly precious. And we believe that and we hold that to be true. And it bothers us when people take God's name, when people take our Savior's name in vain. And it ought to bother us. But do we have the same kind of reverence, love, and respect for God's Word? Because clearly here, God puts them on equal footing. That God's Word is to us the completed revelation of Christ. It's Christ's Word to us. It's God's Word to us. And He has exalted above all things His name and His Word. So we come to this issue of guidance and we acknowledge that it is through God's Word that we are to find God's will. So now we come to our text, Psalm 119. You say, wow, you've been going for a while. You just now got to your text. Probably I'd get bad marks in homiletics class for that, but I haven't had homiletics, so that's my excuse. That's the preaching class at school. So if you will, look at Psalm 119 and verse 73. I honestly thought about when I was typing up and giving to Ed the outline to print out, I just thought about just putting Psalm 119 there, but if anyone looked at it before I started, I didn't want you to freak out and leave thinking I was going to preach on 176 verses. But Psalm 119 is, to me, one of my favorite chapters in God's Word. It's a beautiful picture of what God's Word is to me, how I should think about it, what it does for me, and I would challenge you this week to go home and read it through once or twice this week, the entire chapter. 
It's a be- it will be, I can promise you that it will be encouraging and convicting as well. It was for me this week as I was studying and preparing the past several weeks. But Psalm 119 in verse 73, it says, Your hands made me and formed me. That's where we started from. We started from the fact that we are created in God's image. And that therefore God's will for me is to reflect that image back to him. So he says, your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. So with all this confusion regarding how to find God's will, we have here a very good prayer. Give me understanding to learn your commands. And those commands are to be found for us in God's word, in his word. And the completed revelation that he has given to us. So there is certain knowledge of God's will. We have seen point two, we'll go through kind of quickly because it's kind of the answers we looked at in point one. But point two says there is certain knowledge of God's will. Look, if you will, at verse 105 in Psalm 119. We're going to be looking at a number of different verses in this psalm. But it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And we've known that verse since we were kids, a lot of us. And Kids for Truth programs... Awana programs, we've learned that verse, a lot of us, from a very young age. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Do we ever really stop and think about what that means? Well, when we get confused and we start wondering, how can I know God's will or can I know God's will, then we haven't really stopped and thought about what that meant. Because God's word truly is a light and a lamp to my path. What is my path? My path is every day that I live as a believer, seeking to learn about God, to live for Him, to learn about Him so that I can love Him and serve other people. That's a day-to-day thing. That's what God's Word, it says here, does for me. It teaches me how to walk that path, that life that we saw in Colossians of bearing fruit in every good work. So we can know for certain, there is certain knowledge of God's will. We can know that He have it. God has told us His will. Look to the second to last verse, verse 175. It says, Let me live that I may praise you. That's our goal, right? To bring honor and glory to God, to praise, to glorify God. He prays, let me live so that I might praise you and may your laws sustain me. So how do I live to praise and glorify God? By God's law, God's word, guiding, sustaining me down this path that I am walking to becoming like God, to becoming conformed to the image of God. So we know that there is God's will. God has told us his will. It's in his word God has told us that we can know His will, that it isn't just out there. We don't just know that it's there, and then hopefully someday maybe we can find it. But we know that God has told us that we can find it. Look at verse 30 of Psalm 119. The psalmist says, I have chosen the way of truth. Remind you of John 17 at all. Sanctify them, Lord, I pray. God, I pray that you will sanctify them. How? Through thy word. Thy word is truth. Psalm 30 says, I have chosen the way of truth. So this way of sanctification, this way of growing to become like God, finding God's will, guidance, this way is found in truth, is found in God's word. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I've set my heart on your laws. I think about, I meditate on, I read, I study. I ask questions about, I strive to learn and understand your word. That's what it, we set our heart on. We set our affection, it's said elsewhere in scripture. We set our desire. We set our ambitions to understand God's word. To walk the way of truth means that we do this. So we see that there is a certain knowledge of God's will. We know that God has a will for us. We know that it's there. We know that we can find it. God has told us we can find it in his word. We know that we can know his will 
what then do you do with extra biblical stuff? A lot of the confusion that comes with knowing God's will is, well, you have to have this, you have to ask this many people, or there's, you, you have to look at circumstances, or you have to look at open doors, and you have to do all of these other things, and there's all these hoops and formulas and ten steps to this, and these twenty questions to ask to find God's will in making a decision. A couple of verses for you from Psalm 119. Look at verse 24. And in Psalm 119, there are, I think there's like nine or ten different words that are used to all referring to God's word. Precepts, commandments, statutes, ordinances, law, all of these are referring to God's word that he has revealed to us. So look at verse Psalm, 20, Psalm 119, verse 24. It says, your statutes are my delight. Well, what does it say they are? They are my counselors. Proverbs does say in the multitude of counselors there is wisdom. And no way am I discounting that. But where is the first place we should go for understanding, for decision making? It's God's word. God's word, God's law, God's ordinances, God's statutes are my counselors. That is where I run to when I have a tough decision to make. I run to God's word and the principles that are found in God's word to help me make the decision, whatever it might be that needs to be made. Uh, Psalm uh, Look at verse 99 and 100. Verse 99 and 100 says, I have more insight than all my teachers. Why? For I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders. Why? For I obey your precepts. Paul commended the group of people called the Bereans because they didn't just accept what he said, but they went home and they did what? They searched the scriptures to see what he had said was true. And I know that pastor would say the same thing. When you hear people get up here and speak, it doesn't just end there for you. You also have the responsibility and the obligation to go home yourself and see, is he teaching me God's word? Is the things that he is presenting, is that found in God's word? That is what these verses here are demonstrating for us. We can have an understanding. We can have knowledge. Yes, we need, yes, we need pastors and missionaries and people to teach God's word that have studied it, that are able to present it clearly. But we can discover these things too ourselves. We can do work ourselves and not just rely on people to spoon feed us. He says, I have more understanding, I have more knowledge than my teachers, than the elders. Why? Because I know God's word. I have an understanding, I have a knowledge of the principles that are found in God's word that he has revealed to me. So what about, what about praying then when it comes to God's will? How do you pray to discover God's will? If we know that God's will, and we do, if we, since we know that God's will is to glorify Him, to be like Him, to be sanctified, if we know that, then when it comes to decision-making, how do I pray when it comes to decision-making? Do I pray for an angel to come and tell me by the red Mustang instead of the white Mustang? Or to go to this seminary instead of that seminary? Or marry this person instead of that person? Or go to this college or that college? few more verses from Psalm 119. Look at verse 18. How do we pray when we're determining God's will and, and the decision-making process that we go through all the time? Verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things, where? In your law. That I may see wonderful things in your law. So what is, how do we pray in the decision-making process? God, grant me the understanding of your word so that I can take these truths that you have so clearly presented to me 
take these principles and apply it to this situation so that I can make the best possible decision. Teach me from your word. Give me clarity. Give me understanding so that I can understand your word so that when I make this decision, I know I'm in your will because I have followed the principles that you helped me to understand in your word. A couple of other verses. 30, verse 34 says another prayer. Teach me, O Lord, to do what? To follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Teach me to follow your decrees. Teach me to follow. Teach me to understand the principles in your word. One more on this subject is verse 73. Not one more in here, but one more that I'm going to use for sake of time. And this is one of our text verses. We looked at it earlier. Your hands formed me. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. God, I know I am created in your image and likeness. I know your purpose for me is to be sanctified, to grow more into your image, to glorify, to reflect back to you your glory. Help me to understand from your word how I am to do that. Teach me your commandments. Teach me your law. Teach me these things in your word so that I can fulfill your purpose for my life, so that I can know God's will, so that I can follow with confidence God's will. And that brings us to the third point. There is confidence in God's will. This, the idea of going through all of life wrestling an uncertain and unsure and in despair and hopelessness of am I in God's will, can I know God's will, is completely foreign to Scripture. That's not how God wants us to live. God wants us to confidently live and go forth in the mission that He has given to us because we have the confidence that comes with knowing His will in our life. In Psalm 100, uh, verses 137 and 138, Verse 137 and 138, it says, Righteous are you, O Lord, and your laws are right. The statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. Because God is righteous, because God is holy, because God is right and just and good, God's word is right and just and good and perfect and fully trustworthy. We know God, God is faithful. We sang some songs that referred to that. You know, we think of the passage, if I, if I fail, if I turn away, yet he remains faithful. Because he is that way, his word is that way. His commandments are that way. God's word, it says, is fully trustworthy. There is, so there's confidence because of the righteousness, because of the holiness, because of the unchangeability of God. We have confidence to know that his will isn't going to change either. That his purpose for me isn't going to change either. That when I know it, I know it. And it's always going to be that. And it will never change. And that's the way I'm supposed to live my life. And that's the grid through which I'm supposed to funnel all the decisions I make in my day-to-day life. So there's confidence in God's, way, in God's will. There's freedom, letter A says, in God's will. Verse 32. I know there's a lot of flipping, but at least it's one chapter, so it's only a couple pages. <clears throat> Verse 32. It says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Is that not a confident picture? I don't stagger along. I don't stumble along. I don't hesitantly look around. I run in the path of your commands because your word has set me free. I have knowledge of your will through your word. So man, this mission, I'm going to take off on it and I'm going to do what I can do and I'm going to get behind it and I'm going to go 100% because I've got confidence I've been set free to do this. A side note, I know this is somewhat of a controversial subject, but with the matter of Christian liberty, to me, this is the essence of Christian liberty. Before, we're in the bondage of sin. Now, because we are set free, 
of sin, because we have, we are God's children, this is what Christian liberty is. Now I have complete freedom to choose to do the right thing, to run confidently in God's will. That, to me, is what the essence of Christian liberty is. And that, that gives us, that's the confidence that I'm talking about that comes in God's will. This freedom, it says, I run in, the, in your paths because I know your will, because it has set me free, because your will has set me free. It's given me the confidence and the courage to, to live confidently in the mission that you have given me. Verse 40, 45, along the same subject, says pretty much the same thing. For I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I have freedom and confidence in the life that I live and I don't have to second guess every decision I make. I don't have to wonder, was this really God's will for my life when I have sought God's word and when I understand his precepts? Because God's word gives me freedom. God's word gives me confidence and courage and boldness. So there's freedom in God's will. There is peace in God's will. Look at verse 52. It says, I remember your ancient laws, O Lord, and I find comfort in them. You know, there's a lot of turmoil in the world that goes on. And there's a lot of advice that you can get from a lot of different people um, about different things. And you kind of wonder, okay, is this good advice? Did they tell me the right thing here? The challenge cup that we did yesterday was for Tony's group. And I'm sure he can say the same thing, especially in the financial situation. There's a lot of bad advice that you can get from different people. But one thing that we can take comfort, that we can have peace, confidence in, is that when I make a decision based on principles that I have studied and learned from God's Word, I have peace in that. Because God's Word is fully trustworthy, because it frees me to go with confidence in the mission He's given me, and it gives me comfort. These ancient words it says, these ancient laws that He has given me, gives me comfort in the life that I live to bring honor and glory to God. Verse 165, along the same subject. And I'm picking one or two or three for some of these things, but there's 176 verses in this chapter, and you could pick dozens on each of these things that I'm looking at here. Verse 165 says, Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Wow, there's another really comforting picture, is it not? Great peace have they who love thy law, and nothing can make them stumble. There's not a lot of peace in the world today between wars and economies and natural disasters, and all the stuff that goes on in the world today, there's not a lot of peace. But we can have peace every day in the decisions we make if we're going about it, seeking God's will through His Word, and uh, following the principles we have learned from God's Word. Then nothing can make us stumble. And whatever else is happening around us, I have peace, I have comfort, and I have confidence. Because God's will gives me that confidence. And it's not in your outline, but if you want to add a letter C, there is joy in God's will. There is joy in God's will. There's a verse that says God's commandments are not grievous. That when Christ says, take my yoke upon you, it's not a grievous thing. It's not a heavy, it's not a hard thing. A lot of times the way we talk about God's will and God's law and obeying God, it's like, man, what a boring, hard, difficult life that sounds like. And we naturally don't want to do it the way we sometimes present it, but there is great, great joy in obeying God's will. Look at verse 14. 14 of Psalm 119. I rejoice in following your statues as one rejoices in great riches. Well, that's something we can identify with. Because we naturally, hey, if we come into a great sum of money, man, there's going to be a party, there's going to be rejoicing, there's going to be buying this and showing this person that and going here and doing this and doing that. We get all excited if we come into great riches. Do we think the same way about God's law? Do we think the same way about discovering God's will for our life? It should bring us great, great joy 
equal and surpassing, greatly surpassing any joy we could any take in any temporal rich, riches or blessings that God happens to bless us with. Uh, verse 24. It says, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. We saw this earlier. Do we delight in God's word? Do we delight in saying, okay, I, I know I'm going to have decisions this week. I'm not going to know what some of them are going to be. But I'm going to be prepared to make them because I delight in God's word. So I'm studying God's word on a regular basis. And so when decisions that I have no idea are coming and I need guidance, I have a foundation of principles that I have built up from God's word to make these decisions. And it brings us great joy to know that. And letter D, also not in your outline, there is sorrow outside of God's will. There's confidence, there's peace, there's freedom, there's joy when we follow God's will, but outside of God's will, there is great sorrow and hardship that we would have to face. Uh, verse 118. Verse 118 says, You reject all who stray from your decrees, for their deceitfulness is in vain. Now that's a depressing picture, that God would reject you. But he says, if you reject me, then I reject you. So if we turn our back on God's word, there's going to be great sorrow, and he's not going to be there to help us when we need guidance, when we need decisions. We're not going to have that that confidence, that freedom, that peace, that joy that we need to fulfill the mission he's given us, to find God's will, to determine how it applies to the day-to-day decisions that we make. There's great sorrow outside of God's will. So clearly, God's will is inseparable from God's word. I believe that that has been clearly demonstrated, that the two are virtually synonymous. God's will and God's word are the same things. And so when I determine to know the decisions that I have to make, then the first place I have to go is God's word. And we touched on this earlier, but John 16, 13 says this. Did I pass it? When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. That we don't have to guess and hope that we can understand these truths that I'm talking about and say, maybe I'll discover them. Maybe they're in there. Okay, they're in. you say they're in there. I believe you. I hope I can find them. But God sent his Holy Spirit to help us find them. And it says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So this process that we have to make, we don't have to do it on our own. You say, okay, you've given us generally God's will is to obey Him, to glorify Him, to be like Him. What about all this other stuff? Does it apply to that? These little things that Scripture seemingly doesn't address. First, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, His, God's divine power has, and I put it in all caps to emphasize it, that's past tense. I'm not looking for an angel to come and tell me, what am I supposed to preach on this Sunday? I'm not looking for an angel to come tell me where am I supposed to go to school? Who am I supposed to marry? Which job am I supposed to take? I'm not looking. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through what? Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And we have that knowledge. We saw that from Colossians. It's in God's Word. We saw that from Psalm 119. It's in God's Word. We have that knowledge. We have that confidence. So, There's no magical formula that I'm going to give you. There isn't one. And if somebody tries to give you one, I'll tell you right now they're wrong. There's not 10 steps. There's not 20 questions. There's not a complicated system you have to run things through to know God's will when you make decisions. If you want one, I can give you one. One, you must know God's word. And two, you must be able to think. It's simple. I know. I told you this was going to be a simple message. But you must, you must know God's word. 
all of the other advice that people give you, all of the reading of circumstances, all of the open doors, all of the other things that people spend so much time studying and looking into, they may be helpful, but the only sure, the only certain way to know to get the right principles is God's Word. And I believe that we have seen that very clearly. So, I, And what I'm not saying is that you don't need advice. I know that you need advice. I, I'm in school, okay? I, I've, for six more years, it probably feels like. But I'm in school because I know that. I'm not saying you don't need advice from people. But what I am saying is that the first counselor, the first person, the first thing that we go to is God's Word. And when we pray for decision-making, we don't ask for extra revelation outside of this. We ask for wisdom, for understanding, to understand the revelation that God has completely and perfectly given to us in His Word. So it's a simple answer, I know, but I believe that oftentimes we overcomplicate this because of our view of God. Because we don't trust that God has given us everything necessary for life and godliness. We don't trust that God has clearly shown me that even in this old, old book with some really boring spots in it, that there's everything I need for every decision that I have to make. We don't really trust that like we say we do. And so we overcomplicate it and we look for formulas and we look for things and we try to do it ourselves because we don't trust that God has given us everything we need to do it. So it's a simple answer, I know, but I honestly believe with all of my heart that that's the correct answer and that's the confident answer and that's the way to freedom and peace and joy and guidance in the decisions that we have to make. The song we sing so regularly, I thought of all the time while I was preparing for this. Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world. The walk is a day-to-day thing, friends. It's not a, it's not a one-time thing. It's a day-to-day. Our walk in this world, they resound, God's word, they resound with God's own heart. That's why he says, your word and your name I have magnified, I have exalted above everything. Oh, let the ancient words impart. Words of life, words of hope, give us strength. Help us cope. In this world where'er we roam, ancient words will guide us home. Ancient words ever true. Still today, they're true. These words that we looked at, Psalm written hundreds and hundreds of years ago, still true, still applied to us today. Changing me and changing you. We have come with open hearts. We'll let the ancient words impart. That's, that's my message to you today. Know God's word. So many decisions we have to make. We have a baby coming. A lot of decisions go into things like that. I'm in seminary studying for ministry. What if, you know, the, the, the whole thing with this PIT program, and I love it because it, te- it gives you, it teaches you to study and to determine the decision-making process. What if I'm not cut out to be in the ministry? Well, I need to know that. Well, how do I know that? I study God's Word and I'm around other people who know God's Word and they're able to give advice on it because of principles that they have learned from God's Word. So the last point in your outline, there is, there is a command to follow God's will. And I believe in all of those verses in Psalm 119, we see very clearly demonstrated because it's there, as the take-home truth says, because every Christian can know God's will, every Christian must follow God's will. Because it is clear. It is there. We don't have to stumble around through our whole lives wondering if it's there or if it is there, can I find it? It is there. We can know it. And we must obey it. And for those that aren't believers... You're in the position of the, where it says they are rejected for not following God's light, for not following God's word. You're in the very unhappy position of not having the confidence and the peace and the joy and the freedom that comes from knowing the principles in God's word. And the only way to fix that problem is to realize that you have rejected God in his word, 
that you are a sinner. Recognize that Christ died on the cross for you. Repent of your sin. Repent of the rejection of who God is and rejecting the purpose for which God put you on earth and receive Christ into your life. And the way to do that is to pray a prayer similar to the one on the screen. And I beg you, I implore you, if that is not the case with you, if you have never done that, that you would do so, that you would talk to Pastor, to Larry, to any of the other people here that would be able to help you to be able to do that. Because there is great freedom, there's great confidence, there's great joy in knowing God's will. And so this guidance thing, as confusing as we make it, isn't really. And hopefully, as simple a message as it is, hopefully I trust that it's as a help and an encouragement and maybe conviction to you as it was to me this week. Shall we pray? Our gracious Father, we come to you with a heart full of gratitude for your word. And when we think of the hundreds of years that went into writing it, humanly speaking, it just blows our mind how you put it together. And when we think of the thousands of lives that were given to write it, to translate it, humanly speaking, to preserve it, Lord, our hearts are full of gratitude. And we come to you asking for forgiveness for not loving it, for not delighting in it for not seeking to understand it the way we ought to. And I pray that we would do so even this week, realize how important it is to the decisions that we make, even the rest of this day. And Lord, if there's anyone here who can't, can't trust your word because they don't accept it, they've never accepted it, they're still in the position of rejecting it, Lord, I ask that your spirit would work in their heart and life, that they might understand the only way to a confident living in an uncertain world is the true and certain knowledge of your word revealed through your word. We pray all of these things for your honor and glory. In Christ's name, amen.